We've got a great episode today. We'll be speaking with Representative Charlotte Meadows and then also Senator Del Marsh as they uh, speak about the uh, the bill that they're introducing that is uh, a school choice bill. It's called the Parent Choice Act. I think this is the first bill that really does respond to parents' desire to be able to put their child and have control over that child's education again. We want to talk about how what this looks like, practically speaking, and what are the chances of getting it through. They're calling it the mother of all school choice bills. Um, you know, we hear a lot of uh, hyperbolic promotion uh, in Montgomery, but I think this one really does have some legs, and it's a pretty solid piece of legislation. So we're going to ask them what it's all about and then see uh, what could possibly get in the way and what nefarious plot might stop it. So you'll want to stay tuned. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Dawson, the host of the podcast, joined by Ray Mellick, the co-host and editor-in-chief of uh, 1819 News. Ray, how you doing? I'm great, Brian, and this is a, a busy week we're on now that the legislature's ended a special session within the regular session. We're back to the regular session unless something happens and we go to another special session. So. I, 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 you know, that could happen. Uh, it's been it's been crazy, and there's actually some some good legislation that seems like it's starting to make some headway and and having some support and support from the right people. It's definitely exciting compared to last year's legislative session where it just seemed like we just got hosed on the whole thing. And so we're already seeing some potential excitement with some good things. I know we've uh, discussed previously on the show um, the constitutional carry uh, and also the grocery tax that at least maybe is being talked about or removing the grocery tax. Yeah, so all good things. And real quick before we jump in, I want to remind everyone how to find us. So you can get our podcast on Spotify or Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, or on YouTube, but wherever you go, make sure that you subscribe, leave us a five-star review, uh, tell everybody how much you love our podcast, because we know you do, um, and get the word out. Help us get the word out. We know social media overlords don't want us getting to you and you getting to us, so the way that we um, go around that is by you uh, subscribing. And um, another thing you can do that's really helpful, if you go to 1819news.com, our website, and you go to sign up, uh, and put your email address in there, uh, and we'll come to you every morning at 745 in your inbox with all the news you need to know so that you can stay informed, as well as any uh, podcasts and things like that will be delivered to your inbox very conveniently at the same time every morning. And so with that, um, we'll jump in. We've got a special guest joining us uh, who is um, pushing, um, submitting, I don't know what the right terminology is there, um, one of the more incredible pieces of legislation I've seen uh, in this school choice bill that um, is going to be going into committee. Sounds like tomorrow, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it should go in. Uh, committees tomorrow, yes. Okay. And so we um, we have Representative Charlotte Meadows joining us. Um, Charlotte, uh, welcome. Good morning. How are y'all today? We're good. Doing well. Uh, doing a lot better now that you guys are pushing the school choice bill, so that's good. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited about it. We are too. Um, this has been a long time in the making and, and Senator Marsh has been working on it for months. Um, I've been helping him for the last, uh, several months and really it's, it's been a lot of back and forth to try to talk to people, make sure that it says exactly what we want, what we want it to say and truly does give every parent the opportunity to make the best choice for their family. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that I that I saw in the legislation that, you know, I, I think it was even advertised in, in one of the, the press releases I saw is mother of all school choice bills. And 
you know, and you look at it and it does, it hits every single point and it hits it solidly and it hits it squarely. And I think what gets me excited about this is that, you know, Alabama is the most conservative state in the nation. I would say by far, even more so than Texas, we have a super, you know, Republican supermajority. We have the power to pass conservative legislation. We should be leading the way in so many areas, but we're not. Um, there's so many areas where we might as well be a blue state as far as our legislation goes. Um, and that just shouldn't be. And so one of the things at 1819 News that we're really passionate about is getting the people, the great people of Alabama involved and educated about what's going on in the legislative process so that their values can begin to be reflected uh, in, in the legislation. And I, and I think, you know, already in the, this bill is, is a great um, you know, instance of exactly that. When, when the people start to speak up, you know, this last year has been, uh, last couple of years have been really crazy. And a lot of people have been pulling their head out of the sand, like the ostrich that had their head in the sand. Well, they can't do that anymore. Uh, all the stuff that happened with the last election, election integrity, um, COVID lockdowns, shutdowns, all these other things, people are starting to wake up and they're starting to get involved. Uh, and one of the biggest things that you see in like Virginia with um, Glenn Youngkin and, and all the stuff with the CRT in schools, you know, parents are, are, are wanting to have that opportunity to have a choice uh, in their children's education. And so to me, this is an opportunity for uh, Alabamians to really lead the way, because if this th this bill passes as is, that might it might be the best school choice bill uh, in all 50 states. That's actually our hope. And, and when you add the fact that our state is, you know, at the bottom of the educational student achievement scores across the country, that combined with the most conservative state and, and everything that's been going on, there's absolutely no reason for this bill not to pass. I mean, all we're going to need is parents to get involved and say and just demand of their legislators that they, they, they support it. Uh, Charlotte, uh, and it's 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 been proven over and over where um, charter schools are. If you take a city like New Orleans and New York are prime examples, it's also actually helped the public schools to be uh, upgrade what they're doing and be a little more competitive for students as well. So this really, for most of us, seems like kind of a win-win situation for wherever your child is, whatever school they're in. Should be a win-win, and it's also been proven in all. I mean, there's dozens of studies that show that fiscally the school systems do better. There, there's more money left behind in the public schools. Um, the students perform better, even in the public schools that, that the students leave behind. So the competition, uh, the, the competition floats all boats. And that's what's so important to me is to see that our, all of our students are given the opportunity for the best school they can choose, but then all the other students that don't make a choice to, to change anything also get an improved education. And when we're last in the nation in, in our math and our reading scores, why would we not do something different? Why would we not give parents the choice to do what's best for their child? I have Absolutely. three children of my own, and, and thankfully they're all grown now, and I don't have to... Um, you know, think about their education anymore. But every year when they were in school, I mean, there was a time when we had three children in two different school systems in three different schools. And I would tell parents all the time, do everything you can to make the best decision possible for each child every year, because things change. Your children grow up, their needs change, the needs of the family changes. This really does give the parent the opportunity to look at their situation, what their student needs, what their child needs, and make the best decision possible. And we give them, hopefully give them enough money to, to help the, in that decision. Absolutely. And I love 
not, you know, not restricting where the money goes to, you know, public to public or, um, you know, only approved uh, private schools or things like that. Um, it's my, my oldest son. So I have, I have six children. My wife's actually pregnant with our seventh. No, we're not Catholic. No, we're not Mormon. I just always throw that out there. Um, and uh, so um, we're, we're really excited about that. My oldest goes to Cornerstone Classical Christian Academy uh, in, in Montgomery. Um, and that's a school that has the potential to really thrive. It's a robust Christian discipleship, incredible education, wonderful teachers, and, and they're struggling financially. And this is an opportunity to, you know, for schools like that who are, who are being innovative, who are really, you know, on the cutting edge of doing really incredible stuff, um, them having the resources to do it. But then when they do that, it's going to force the, the bureaucratic nature of the public school system to drop all the bureaucracy and begin to start to do cutting edge, innovative things so that they can keep students. And it's, it's like you said, um, when there's competition, all boats rise. That really is the goal, is, is the competition aspect of it. We expect that to make a big difference over time. Now, it's not going to change anything you know, this school year, um, but we do expect for this bill to start this fall uh, with, with public school students being able to take their funds and with homeschool students um, being able to take the money and use it to help them pay for the homeschool needs and support and supplies and resources that they have to spend money on. So, and this is really the first time that anything has been done to help homeschool families in Alabama ever. Um, and of course, in the, in the last couple of years, you know, about half the state has evidently gone to what I would call schooling from home because they've been forced to be virtual. And yes, they've had a teacher on the computer, but it's also been largely up to the parents. So the parents did not have a choice about keeping their student at home. And yet this will actually give, you know, if they choose, if, if the public school doesn't have an in-person school anymore and the parents are forced to have their students at home, then this would actually help them pay for resources. They could pay for a tutor to come in and, or they could get a group of parents together to pay for a tutor. And that's been happening around the country. Um, but it was pretty much up to the family to figure out how to pay for that tutor. So now this is actually an opportunity. Charlotte, yeah, we had a story here back in the fall that, that as you pointed out, with, with COVID, a number of parents were looking and saying, hey, this uh, virtual learning isn't working. Our school isn't designed for this. Homeschool curriculums are. And so there was a 10 to 15% growth in the state in homeschooler that reflects across the country where the numbers are sometimes as high as 20%. Help us understand how this bill would help homeschoolers. What would be the process for these funds or, or in ways that they could actually uh, uh, get access to this? Right. Thank you so much. The, the way this bill actually works is, so think of it in terms of pots of children. We've got three sections of children right now. We've got public school students. I'm counting on my fingers. We've got public school students. We've got private school students. And we've got homeschool students. This actually creates the parent's choice student. So anybody in those first three buckets can become a parent's choice student. And then they follow the, the requirements of this law and they have their money follow them it's really a vouch it's it's really more of a debit card system so think of like your health savings account we just got one of those cards in the mail a couple week, weeks ago for this year and you know like you do with health savings account money somebody puts the money into the account and then you spend it on the you know established 
uh, things that can be spent on. So that would work the same way for the homeschool families. They wouldn't ever actually get the money, and the money doesn't fall back to the family or the parent or the student at the end of the year if they don't spend it all. It stays in the account, and it gets reappropriated for the next year. But Would it roll over? I think that's what reappropriated means. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, I know, but that's a big word for me. I'm a, I'm a public school educated kid, so yeah. me too. keep the words. So, um, but but this would you know make it so that the homeschool student and and really the requirements are not not complicated. The parent says, "I want to be a part of this program. I agree to spend this money on the you know allowable expenses, and I agree to use it to educate my student in the areas of math, science, English, and history." And that's about as simple as it gets. You've pushed, you've really been an advocate for education and, uh, and, and bills similar or efforts like this have come up in the past. Why do you think this is the time that this really is, is, uh, is the one that may actually get through? It's going to be a big lift, particularly in the House, and I go into it fully understanding that. But on the other hand, the time is now because really the time was last year or, the, or two years ago. I mean, we're behind the times. I mean, 22 states passed school choice legislation last year. Alabama did nothing. And yet we're at the bottom, nationally ranked 50th in our, our math and reading, math scores particularly. So why would we continue to do the same thing over and over? You know, that's the definition of insanity, and we expect to get different results. What we have to do is make some significant changes. If we... You know, if we make these changes, allow parents to choose what's going to be best for their student, there's nobody out there can, that can tell me a parent is going to intentionally choose what's wrong for their kid, what they don't think is the best thing. So That's good. I just really think that the legislators are going to have to listen to the parents and the families that expect to be able to benefit from this, and then also look at our overall education system situation. Um, and decide if we're going to be happy with what we've got. If we're happy with what we've got, then we can sit back and do nothing. If we feel like we need to improve even a little bit, I mean, a little bit would be better than nothing. But, I mean, we just haven't improved at all in the recent years. And, I mean, I've been, I've been doing education stuff since 2006. And back, back then I had somebody tell me, um, well, you just can't have it in five minutes. And at the end of my first term on the school board, it had been six years, and I said, it's no longer five minutes, it's not five years now, it's six years. Well, now it's been 15 years, and it's time. It's, it's past time for us to think about what's best for the students in our school state, in our, in our state, and in our school systems, and do what's right for them. What has the initial re- reaction to this bill been as far as, you know, put out the, the press releases? It's obviously making its rounds. I know there's been a lot of excitement from people I've talked to, what what has been the feedback you've gotten? You know, I was at the um, at a hair salon this morning and was mentioning it to a couple of ladies that work there, and one of them was so excited, she jumped up and down. She said, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever heard of. And I said, oh, wait, can I videotape you? And, of course, she refused. Um, but <laughs> the, the parents out there, I think, are going to be thrilled when they realize what this means for their families. I mean, and, and there's going to be maybe some suspicion that there's a catch to it, there's not a catch. Um, there's you know, really not very much even accountability in place. I mean, the board is going to have the oversight to make sure that students are making the, the progress that's expected and normal for a student of that age group. But there's not even, um, I mean, there, there's some reporting. 
but there's not a lot for the parents to have to do. I mean, the, the school has to agree to participate. That's even the public school. So the, any public school system that is full, doesn't have space for more students, they, don't, they are not required to participate. They can just keep doing exactly what they're doing. Any parent who's happy with what they're doing, there's absolutely no requirement for anybody to make a change. If there's a parent who wants to access their state tax dollars to pay for what they're doing, that they're, you know, maybe they're having to pay for a public, I mean, for a private school or homeschool situation or resources, those are the parents that should um, look at this. If there's a student in public school who would prefer to go to a different public school system, then they, they will be able to use these dollars to move to another public school system. But that system, again, has to agree to accept students. So that's, the, that's really the beginning step. Schools and school systems have to decide, can we handle more students? Um, are, we, are we willing to take on um, this program? One thing that research actually shows is that when programs like this go into effect, the, the existing schools become more socially economically diverse, which I, mean, I don't think any, anybody expected back in the 50s and 60s for desegregation to mean that our schools, our public schools were you know, completely 100% one color or another color. And that's unfortunately how it's become in Montgomery. And that is not a good thing for children growing up to not ever see and work with students in other, of another race. So, I mean, I think that's another aspect of this that I think is very, could be very positive for our communities and for our state. For, uh, again, the practicality of it, for private school, for charter school, would it be the same uh, same system with a, with a debit card that they would put down on tuition, or does that school get the money directly from the fund, or how would that work for parents of private school and charter school students? Charter schools are public schools already, so they don't actually have to pay anything. That would just mean the money would go with the student from the state. Um, so there wouldn't be a transfer of, well, there would be a transfer of funds, but not through the parent. Um, the private school, also again, not through the parent, but the private school has to agree, and then the money would go like a debit card or like a voucher from the Parents' Choice Fund is what it's called in the bill, to that private school. And there's nothing that says, you know, if the money, if the parent gets a, an amount of $6,000 a year and the private school costs $7,000 a year, then there's nothing that says the private school has to waive that next thousand. That's just part of what the parent then would be responsible for only the extra amount. The other aspect of this that um, might come up is the AAA, the Alabama Accountability Act that was passed in 2013. Once this bill goes into effect, that would become supplemental, a supplemental program to those students that are getting those scholarships. So it would actually extend the, um, I guess, the value of that program to more students being able to participate. There is obviously going to be opposition. We're already starting to hear it, certainly from uh, the established teachers uh, union right now. Uh, and I know they are marshalling to, to, to be at the committee hearing that's taking place tomorrow. Uh, what would you say to those folks that say this is just further pushing, uh, in fact, the way I think the wording was, this pushes public education to the edge of the cliff financially? You know, public education in the state of Alabama um, has gotten about two point something, maybe $2.2 billion recently for education. I mean, and people have asked me, why did the 
ARPA money, not, none of that go to schools. I was like, because the schools got their own round of federal money to you know, help with CARES Act. So it's hard for me to say that there's any logic to this pushing schools to the edge of a cliff financially. Um, and, and here's the thing. These are parents' tax dollars. This is not the system's money. This is the parents' and the students' money. So if the system that's left behind, if, say, 50% of the students leave, they're still going to get their local dollars and the share of state dollars for those students. The, the average in the country is that 1% to 2% of students take advantage of this type of program in any given year. So let's not freak out over one or two percent. It's also kind of interesting that they that the public school system almost admits, or or what they're saying is they're so panicked that so many people are going to leave, which to me suggests they know they're offering a bad product if they're really that worried about that many families pulling out of their school system to go somewhere else. And if and if an individual school does have that happen then I think you and I can both look at that and say, okay, then maybe you did not deserve to be in existence. If yeah. that many people in your school were unhappy, then, you know, you don't need to be open. Yeah. Cause that, that's basically a hostage situation when kids are like, if, if the moment that people have an opportunity to leave and they all shit, every single one leaves and it's like, well, <laughs> it, it apparently has they, been they weren't very especially for the last few years parents have had no they've been completely shut out of the process in making decisions about what's best for their student even when it comes to curriculum and and we're not going to talk about CRT but there's a a lot of angst out there amongst parents about what are their kids being taught if the school that they're taking their children to does not give the parents the information to make them comfortable with the curriculum then they can yank their kid out the next at the end of that semester. I mean, this does expect the student to stay in a school for at least half of a, a school term, half of a year. But this again, I mean, schools that refuse to give information about curriculum and don't want to talk about what they're teaching the child, that, those are the parent is the first educator for a child. I mean, I have a 16 month old and she is the brightest person in the world and she picks up on everything. And so it's very clear to me that her mother is her very best um, teacher. And hopefully I'll be second line. There, there's, this is so much common sense. It's hard to imagine people arguing against it, but of course they will. Um, and, and we understand that there's a lot of fear amongst the, the traditional schools and educators that they will not be as relevant as maybe they have been in the past. But if they were relevant, for even the majority of the kids, we would not be 50th in the nation. Yeah, that's so exactly right. let's look at the facts, and then let's look at what's best for the student. Yeah. Let's hone in on the opposition, and we've got about three or four minutes left. Um, so Alabama Education Association, the AEA, okay, so they were this huge lobbying conglomerate that really had the state held hostage with the Democrat Party. Um and, you know, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob Riley came in, um, he and a bunch of other people basically whittled the thing down to nothing. It was just about dead. It seemed like it, it wasn't even a thing anymore. And just like it's to me how I look at it, 
it's like a vine. Like I, when you have property and you have a vine that grows on something and you chop the vine down and you come out a week later and it starts growing on something else. And you're just like, well, and it seems like that's kind of what the AEA is doing here. But so rather than it being completely having the Democrat party wrapped up in its grasp, it's now got the Republican party wrapped up in its grasp. They're um, from all things that I've seen and heard uh, one of the largest Republican donors um, and so what do you think their opposition is going to be? How ugly do you think this is going to get? Um, I'm prepared for it to get ugly and I've been part of ugly before. Um, I mean, I ran for office in 2013 and, and was heavily attacked by the teachers union. Um, they did not attack me nearly to the same extent in 2019, which is when I ran, but that does not scare me. Um, I've been there, done there, done that, got the t-shirt and, you know, the facts are Republicans do take money from the AEA and the teachers union now. And whether or not I think that's a good thing or not, it, it is what it is. But it's incumbent on those Republicans to decide to do what's best for the people that vote for them, not the AEA. And so if that's their right. parents and the, the constituents that they answer to uh, believe that school choice is good for them and good for the state, then I would expect that that's what they will do. You know, I, I think the lesson of the Virginia election that we saw were the two things to get people riled up. One is crime in the street, and we, we know that's an issue. And the second is when you start messing with my kids. Uh, parents do tend to, to get motivated, and I think that's what we're seeing now. With uh, And that's one reason I think this bill is so exciting, because I think it does give parents a, a chance to feel like they have a say in how their kids are being educated. Uh, and I, I applaud both you and Senator Marsh for, for spearheading this, and it looks like it's a uh, really the, the, the solution that parents have been looking for. I'm, to be honest, we homeschooled. We created a co-op and, and brought in teachers, and this doesn't do me any good. My kids are grown, but this would be great for those parents like my children who are also choosing and hoping to use co-ops and homeschools to uh, continue their education process. Yes. This is not going to solve the problem for every child and every family in the state. I'll be the first one to admit that. There's going to be things that don't help certain people, but this is a beginning to make parents have real opportunities to make the best decision for their family. So school choice really is parent choice in Alabama. Well, Representative Meadows, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing down there. Um, and yeah, hope, hope, uh, hopefully have you back on soon. And, and may, I'm down in Wetumpka, so maybe we can uh, go to lunch and, and get to say, know each other better. If you're just in Wetumpka, I could come up there. <laughs> That's right. You can come see the the hometown takeover uh, city of Wetumpka. <laughs> That's where my well, thank you so much for joining us. My, my, uh, my, and home, my, my grandmother was born and raised in Wetumpka. It's a beautiful place. It is. Love it. Me and Ray are going to be there tonight. So <laughs> thank you all so much for having me. Thank you for what you're doing to get this news out. It's it's a, a very important piece of legislation, and I think that it's I'm very optimistic that we'll get it get it passed. Great. Thank you for your work, too. Thank you, Appreciate Charlotte. that. Thank you all. All right, guys. Well, if uh, you can hold with us through this next break, we're going to be back on with uh, Senator Del Marsh, who's the one pushing this through uh, or working to push this through committee on the Senate side. We're going to hear what he has to say uh, when we come back uh, in just a few minutes. We're pulled in every direction, every direction except deeper, deeper down into our own soil. We must reconnect with who we are. We need new storytellers deeply connected to the truth of honest journalism, the goodness of Alabama culture, and the beauty of our potential. 
1819 News is a new kind of media company. My name is Brian Dawson. I'm the founder, president, and CEO of 1819 News. We're going to be steadfast in making sure that the only thing you hear from us is the truth. So 1819 News is not a political organization. We're not Republican, we're not Democrat. We're not promoting and endorsing candidates. Uh, at the end of the day, the news is gonna be the news. Uh, and the values that we espouse are gonna be representative of this great state. We inherently understand stories. If you look in the Bible, Jesus told parables to help people understand things. Alabama has incredible stories and we have incredible storytellers. And so we want to provide a platform for our incredible storytellers to tell the stories of Alabama that make it such a, a true and beautiful place. I think the biggest problem we have in Alabama from a news and media perspective is the national focus. I think everyone is so focused on what's going on in Washington, D.C., and I don't think that we can have a huge influence on what's going on 800 miles away from here. But I do think we can make a difference on what's going on in Montgomery and things that are closer. We would like to pull people back into focusing on their own backyard, their cities, their counties, and their state. We'll be able to have manageable, bite-sized steps that we can take to, to make real cultural change. You know, you have other outlets that don't seem to be asking tough questions. Uh, they're not doing the investigative journalism uh, and the, the beat reporting and digging and, and looking into uh, what's going on with our administration and the legislative sessions, and the government and the schools, all of these different things. And so ultimately we, we're creating a media outlet and a news organization that serves the people of Alabama because we don't feel like there is one right now. We're gonna reach the average Alabamian by doing two things. We're gonna provide them truth. Everyone's starving for truth right now. It's hardworking Alabamians who get up every single day before the sun's up and they get in their truck and they drive to work and they work you know, hard and then they come home uh, and they're tired and they, they, they take care of their families. They are searching for truth. We want to create content that celebrates things, that um, focuses on the positive, um, whether that be um, people uh, that are doing good things that you didn't know about, whether that be about things that are going on in Alabama, whether it be sports, music, we really want to focus on uh, things that make people feel good. What you're going to get from us is honest news and the voice of Alabama values. Uh, at the end of the day, the news is going to be the news, uh, and the values that we espouse are going to be representative of this great state. 1819 News exists to provide the people of Alabama with the truth. We are the news storytellers, free to tell the truth, no matter the optics, no matter the consequences. We are 1819 News. We will rise to the moment, the moment of truth. We're back. Um, we had a great interview with um, Representative Charlotte Meadows uh, talking about uh, this legislation. And now uh, we're going to be joined by Senator Del Marsh, uh, who's introducing this uh, to the committee uh, in the Senate and is the one that really introduced and I think wrote the bill um, and so, Senator Marsh, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure to be here. So, um, we we spoke with uh, Representative Meadows um, to 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 hear her thoughts on um, on this bill and and some of the different challenges. But um, really, really glad you could join us. And and I'll say the same same thing to you that I said to her. 
um, you know, here we're in Alabama. We are uh, probably the most conservative state in the nation. We're a Republican supermajority. And the reason I was so excited to see this bill is this really appears to be a bill that's going to allow Alabama to lead. Um, lead, you know, there's, there's, there's states that are doing more conservative things all around the nation that are nowhere near as conservative as the state of Alabama. And um, this, to me, looks like the, the, the first instance where we can really, um, you know, be out front and, and it's legislation that represents the people. Um, and it's just, a, it, I mean, I was blown away by it. And I think looking through the finer points of the bill, um, I, think, I think it's right when it said this is the mother of all uh, school choice bills. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I want to send a thank you out to uh, Representative Charlotte Meadows. She and I have worked on this legislation for some time, along with many other of my colleagues. <clears throat> I've uh, sent this bill out to some specialists in education, look at the bill. And, and it is a big piece of legislation. And at the end of the day, what this does is finally puts control of education, a portion of that control, into the parents' hands. And, and I think that's so important in the times that we live in, that the parents are able to have more control of the children's education. No one knows what's best for the child than a parent, and that's what, in essence, this bill does. Dale, we've seen uh, uh, the last couple of years with COVID, with the schools uh, going remote, uh, a number of parents, and we had a story on this back in the fall at 1819 News, uh, have, have realized that, that public schools aren't equipped to educate children at home as well, and they've actually seen a growth in homeschooling in this state. Uh, we are seeing people looking for other options. So um, I think the interesting thing here is this bill includes, a lot of times homeschools feel like they get left out of education discussion. This is one thing I think is really different is the fact that you've included options here for homeschool parents and homeschool co-ops to take advantage of this education money. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? It not only includes homeschool parents, it includes them in year one. This is a three-year phase in because of the only argument public education will have is it takes money out of public education. Well, I, my argument to that is, well, it keeps money, all the money's in education. It's just taking some of the money away from the bureaucrats and giving it to the parents. And that's what this bill does. Now, in, in terms of homeschoolers, we have more homeschoolers today than ever, and one reason is because of the COVID epidemic and schools that were shutting down, some parents didn't have a choice. So they are now become homeschoolers. So at year one, uh, if you're a homeschooler, you can take that $5,500, $5,600 of state tax dollars and ask the board to direct them uh, to what you think is best to educate your child. So yes, it includes homeschoolers. It includes everyone in this bill by year three. But the reason homeschoolers were in from year one is because of the situation that our families have been put in because of COVID, in many cases, doing homeschooling when, the, when they may never have been intended to do so. One of the um, things, and again, I can't express you know, how exciting this bill is, as I said, because it, it's just, uh, it's, it's really amazing. And one of the things that, that I've seen in my time in Alabama and, and focusing on Alabama politics that we have a history of doing is introducing uh, just a really solid, incredible bill and by the time it gets through committee and through the whole process, uh, it turns into kind of a nothing burger. And so, um, and then what, what, what can always happen is because the bill still has a similar title, you know, everyone can pat themselves on the back and say, hey, you know, we did it. We got such and such passed when really, you know, like for instance, this one would just be like if, if it got whittled down to a public to public option and it just isn't what it is. And so, you know, you, you're obviously a very influential man uh, in Montgomery and the ability to do a lot of things. And we hope, I mean, is this something that you'll commit to 
um, pushing through as is and, and I guess going on record saying that? Absolutely. I want to keep this bill as inclusive as possible to the parents of this state. Um, we are last in education, gentlemen. Last. And we've been last for too long. And all those dollars have been controlled by bureaucracy in the, in the public sector. All I'm saying is that we've got to change. We are putting record dollars in education. We rank third in the Southeast in these putting in full implementation of this bill. We'll still be third in the Southeast in public money in public education. So they're going to complain about the money, but the money is still in education. We're still giving our fair share to the public system, but we're giving a share of that money finally to the parents of this state to direct that education the way they see fit. So I'm there. I'm, I'm open to work with my colleagues to improve the bill, as always, but I'm not going to water it down. You've pushed, uh, and education's been an important factor for you throughout your, your career there, and I know you've, you've uh, worked with bills like this before. Uh, is it just the culmination of events that you feel like this is the time, that this is the bill that, that can work this time? Well, what's interesting about the timing, the timing is uh, COVID made the timing better, mm-hmm. okay? But I'm like you guys, I mean, we're a very conservative state. We're, we're Republican-controlled legislature. This should be a bill that should be embraced by the legislature as a priority bill. The party is going to come out, the Republican Party, who I've worked with on this bill as well, and make this a party bill. That's going to be, that's going to be uh, uh, that the party chairman is going to make that known to the, the House and the Senate. So, so it, it's a, a bill that's time has come. But let me say this about the bill, too. 73% of the people in this state, whether you're Republican, Democrat, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, 73% of that population believe in parents' choice. So, so this should be as easy a bill. The only reason you do not support this bill is because you allow the powers that be of the AEA and school boards and superintendents who are all part of the bureaucracy to, to make you not vote for this bill. This bill will make public education better because competition makes public education better. And that's, that's what uh, it, I think the state, if we do not do this, the people of the state better understand that other people outside the state are watching Alabama. If we continue to go down the road as 50th in, in, in education in the country and don't look, look like we're trying. Is he still there? Well, I, and I think that's I think the one thing that we're hearing is that uh, legislatures realize that we can't fall any further in education than where we are. And if that's the case, then we've got to create more options. And this is a very viable option that other school, other states are using. Uh, we, we've seen charter schools be successful in, in really terrible situations. Uh, Senator Marsh, are you back with us? No. Um, and then uh, and then homeschooling is growing, as, as I said before. Uh, across the country, I think in the last few years, uh, homeschool has grown by 20%. I think in this state, it's 11 to 15%. Yeah. And even with kids returning to school this year, where they thought they were returning to school, those numbers haven't dropped. A lot of parents have realized there are other options and alternatives, and maybe that's a better education. And I have more say in what my kids are, are being taught and how they're being taught. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that's really imperative that we talk about, too, you know, COVID's kind of, you know, becoming the, the not to blame, but kind of the, the reason that all of a sudden we're becoming innovative or changing. It's not just COVID. Like, you want to talk about a perfect storm of we need to do something different. 
So you have COVID, but then, you know, you also have critical race theory being shoved down kids' throats. You have all this, um, you know, sexuality um, ethics and different things that are being introduced to, to children at younger and younger ages. And, I mean, you see some of the things I know the Daily Wire put out with parents coming to school boards just literally reading right from the curriculum things that I as an adult were so vulgar and vile that it, it made me blush. And this is in children's reading curriculum. And, again, I don't know that it's gotten that bad in Alabama but we're probably just a few years behind. Um, the people who are behind this type of curriculum and this type of education, they want our children. They want our children. Uh, they are coming for our children. And, you know, um, it's time that parents wake up. We saw that in Virginia. Um, you know, the mama bears getting involved even right here in Mountain Brook and making a stink. And, you know, um, and then you give those parents the ability for them to move their children um, to a school that is performing or that has a worldview that aligns with them. And not just that, when you put the money back in the parents' hands, now all of a sudden I bet those school boards listen a little more closely. And when those mama bears come in there and say something, they're not just going to get handcuffed and drug out. They might actually listen. Yeah. So I think this is just a, a, a real win overall. And, and I do think it's important, as, as Representative Meadows said before, uh, across the country, this isn't like whole-scale abandoning public schools. And, and we've got some great public schools in Alabama. I mean, it is, for some of us, it's a hard to believe we rank as low as we do because you see some of the schools around the Birmingham area, the Huntsville area, the, the Mobile area that are outstanding schools uh, and, and public schools. And, and there's, you know, there may not be any reason to take your kid from there. But there are also some schools that just... Uh, become little more than just uh, babysitting services for parents. And, and those parents want what's best for the kids, and they want to try to get them into a better system. And this allows them the option. Maybe they can't afford to move out of that district they're in. Uh, you know, the economy isn't great for everybody. Uh, but this does give them the chance to maybe say, okay, we're not leaving the school district, but maybe I, might, I can put my child uh, in, a, in a local private school or, or I can find a, a church school or something else that fits the need. Or... Uh, even get them into a nearby public school that's doing well that has space for that child. And I think that's another option that's, that is incumbent upon the, the other school to have space and be willing to participate. But I think that's another option that, that parents should have that ability to do, and I think this helps them do that. Yeah. And one of the things that we did ask Representative Meadows that I wanted to ask Senator Marsh is about the, the AA pushback. I mean, we know they've got 44 lobbyists in Montgomery. Um, you know, they're... Um, through one of their PACs, one of the largest Republican donors in the state. Um, they've got their claws into the people or the, the people in Montgomery that are supposed to be representing the people of Alabama. And so this is going to be, and, and really, I mean, I want to call out the senators and representatives in the state of Alabama. This is going to be a time for you to listen to the people that you represent. Senator Marsh just said 73%. I don't know that 73% of anybody's ever agreed on anything ever in the history of forever in politics. This thing's polling at 73% favor. If you vote against this, it is going to be unbelievably obvious that you're serving special interests and that you're not serving the people that you swore to represent. So I think this is going to be a make or break bill. Um, I'm proud to be part of a media company that's going to be shining a light on Montgomery uh, and seeing what it is that, that people are doing. We've got a legislative scorecard uh, that we're going to be publishing that Alabama Policy uh, Institute puts out. Um, you know, and, and, and as I said in the beginning of this podcast, the people of Alabama are waking up to what's going on. Uh, they want to know what's going on in their state. They want to know what's going on in their schools. They want to know what their representatives are doing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're giving them the tools to do exactly that. Here's what I would say, and I, I said this before, but I do think it's 
if the public schools, if the AEA is so terrified of people pulling their kids out of their schools, then that tells me they admit their schools have problems. Yep. And rather than being so afraid of parents leaving, put more effort into correcting those situations that they've been trying to correct by throwing money. And, and I, I read one report from, from a, a, a teacher's union representative that said, this is going to push the public school to the edge of the financial cliff. They've just been appropriated more money they've ever had. This is not, there is, there is no economic problem for education in this state. In fact, our teachers starting salary is as high as any in the Southeast. If you're starting as a master's, you're in the top two or three in the entire Southeast. So teacher pay is not, I mean, maybe we should pay more, but I'm saying we're paying as good or as well as any place in this area. So uh, that's not that's not where the, the problem lies. And I, I think it's just an admission on the AEA's part to say, if this is going to bankrupt public schools, then that's an admission that people want to pull their kids out. Create an environment where people don't want to pull their kids out. That's yeah. the solution for the AEA. And that's that whole thing about competition. When all of a sudden people are incentivized to start doing things that do, that they create an environment where children are performing higher at higher levels. You're creating an environment that people want to be a part of. Um, then, then, then everybody wins, right? And and there's people who I know personally, just with 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 my background. Um, there's, there's people who have a worldview that doesn't necessarily align with public schools. I mean, that's a real thing. Public schools push a worldview that isn't exactly synonymous with a, a Christian worldview. And I know so many people who would love to be able to put their kids in a, in a school that actually reflects their worldview, but they, they can't afford it. Um, they're not in a position to be able to do it. And I think that's another really cool thing about this. But um, we're now uh, at about the 45-minute mark. We don't want <clears> to <throat> waste your time. Our commitment to you is that uh, we'll put out content that's engaging. Not waste of time. Yeah, We're not yeah. wasting We're, anybody's time. We want to be respectful of respectful their time. Respectful of their time. Exactly. That's what I was getting to with the promise and everything I was just talking about. No, but that is that is our promise to you with all of our content is that we want to make sure um, that we are respectful of your time. If you give us time, uh, that you're going to be educated, entertained, engaged, and informed about the things that you need to know. So again, 1819news.com. Sign up for the newsletter so that we can get to your inbox every single morning. Uh, follow this podcast as well as our others on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, and also <clears throat> the YouTube channels. Thanks so much uh, for joining us, and until next time. 